Welcome, everyone, once again to another episode of Everything EOS. I'm Zach Gall, an ICO data analyst at ICOalert.com, the trusted ICO discovery platform. Rob Finch is away this week, but don't worry because I will not be flying solo. For this week's episode, I wanted to dive deep into a somewhat controversial subject at the moment, and that is the EOS Worker Proposal System, or the WPS. To assist me in my efforts to educate the community on this very important and controversial subject, I invited the number two and number three ranked block producers in the world, EOS New York and EOS Canada. We'll be discussing both the pros and the cons of the worker proposal system, as well as the different ways in which the block producers themselves fit into the mix. Now before I kick off the show, I just want to remind everyone to like, subscribe, follow, or comment the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, or wherever else you might be listening. Your feedback and interactions are greatly appreciated and they really help add visibility to the show so that others in the community are able to find it more easily. You can also follow me personally on Twitter, at BlockchainZach with a K, to follow my own thoughts and opinions around the latest news and announcements around EOSIO. I'm excited to share this week's episode with you guys because I think it's one of the best I've done since starting this podcast almost six months ago. So without further ado, this is Everything EOS. All right, I'm here today with Josh Kaufman from EOS Canada and Kevin Rose from EOS New York, and we're here to talk to you today about the worker proposal system. Um, so let, let's first take this time to introduce yourselves. Josh, how about you go first? Why don't you introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about who you are, your background, how you got started with EOS Canada, a little bit about EOS Canada, and finish it off with um, another block producer candidate or maybe a DAP that you think deserves a little bit of attention that it's not currently getting. Sure. Well, thanks, uh, first off, Zach, for having me on. So uh, I'm Josh from EOS Canada. Uh, I take care of governance and community for EOS Canada. Right now, we're a pretty quickly growing team. Um, and so we just brought in a, you know, a Chinese community manager, maybe looking at uh, another person to work with me on the, the English-speaking side, since that's where a lot of the stuff's going on. Um, EOS Canada, as a team, our, our motto is leading through technology. So we have... Uh, I'm one of the few non-tech people. We have a team that's worked together on a few tech projects in the past, um, mainly a, a large security division over at Intel. And uh, we're trying to bring that expertise, that knowledge into the EOS space. And just the blockchain space really excites us all. So we're super excited to be part of it. And um, in terms of who I think is not getting enough recognition in terms of uh, block producer candidates, there's really a long list of who I think should be uh, Getting some more recognition, but you know, off the top of my head, uh, HKEOS, uh, Cafe Block, Graymass, even though they're pretty high up there, I think they're doing uh, much better work than what they're being recognized for. Uh, Crypto Alliance, Cypher Class, Tokenica, Dublin, Titan. I mean, I can go on. There's just a ton of great teams out there, and we're super lucky to have that many great teams in the ecosystem. All right, Kevin, how about you introduce yourself? Tell us about who you are, your background, your block producer, and then why don't you mention uh, a block producer candidate or even a DAP that you think deserves a little bit of extra attention. Sure. For, first of all, totally cheating. You, you said mention one, and now he mentioned like 30, but that's okay. That's okay, Josh. There, it, but he's, he's right. There, there are really just way, it's, there are way too many good groups to just say one, but I, I'll try to keep it to one. Uh, but hey, everyone, my name is Kevin Rose. I'm co-founder and, and head of community for EOS New York. I am also 
uh, a non-tech muggle, uh, so to speak. So that's, <laughs> which is great that we've, we're, we're able to talk about worker proposal system today. Um, EOS New York is a, a self-funded, self-owned block producer. I'm an owner. There are two other owners and, and we're, uh, very transparent about that in our, our disclosures. Uh, we were actually founded, um, we were the first Western block producer to announce ourselves to the community back in January. And it was uh, it was in the recovery room after my daughter was born that I had the phone call with my co-founder, Rick Schlesinger, where we decided, uh, you know, we're not going to wait for these block producers anymore, which we hadn't seen any um, last November at the time. And we said, we're going to do this ourselves. Uh, and, it, you know, after reading the, the white paper 30, 40 times and, and really, um, you know, we've, we've bought into the vision of what EOS can do and what it can be. And, and we're just honored to, to be able to be a part of it full time. Uh, my background is in uh, marketing and communications. I've, I've spent my career working with Fortune 500 automotive companies like Toyota, BMW, Mini Cooper, um, and Ford. And <clears throat> this is unlike any challenge I've ever been a part of. So it's, it's, it's not really, uh, it's not really a job. It's not really work. It's this, uh, it's this Japanese concept of ikigai, this like uh, purpose, sense of purpose, what you what you're good at, what you're passionate about, what the world needs, and what you can get paid for. So this is this is that, and I imagine it's that for for many people, not just us. Uh, so it's real great to be a part of it. Uh, for for one block producer that I think should get more attention, there's one project in particular that um, I spoke with them about when I was in Shanghai. Uh, with Josh, actually, it's EOS Meso, and they are very interested in the um, the integrity of of their state elections uh, in Latin America, where people are are literally uh, killed sometimes over the the integrity of the vote counts, and uh, they want to put it on the blockchain, which is a world changing thing, and also a very risky thing. So they're 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 way back there in the ranks and I think that they deserve a little more attention. Awesome. So just to, for, for the audience who doesn't follow EOS, EOS Canada and EOS New York right now, you guys are the number two and number three block producers. You guys keep flip-flopping. Who's at number two and who's at number three today? I think last night I sent uh, Kevin a screenshot where uh, New York went up to number two and uh, EOS Canada dropped to number three. But we're happy to be in this uh, tight little competition with those guys. Yeah, I mean, you guys are doing a lot of cool stuff. EOS New York, you, you guys just put out a snapshot tool that I think was much needed and couldn't have come any sooner. You want to talk about that for a minute? Yeah, sure. It's just the it's the idea that um, going off of the uh, the Genesis snapshot makes sense for a little while when the chain launched, but there are new token holders. And um, for people who are not developers, airdrops uh, are a big uh, catalyst for getting it, a big incentive for getting into EOS. So to uh, preclude them from any future airdrops because they may have not gotten a memo for when the Genesis snapshot went down, um, it, it, it's a disservice to the network overall. So, uh, so we just, it's just a script that runs, pulls the, we figured out how to pull the full account snapshot, which is not as easy as it sounds. You'd think it would be, but it's not. Um, and it just uh, posts one CSV file every, every day. It actually might be every hour now. But um, so if you're a DAP developer and you want to drop to a more recent um, snapshot of the network, you go to EOS snapshots. Io. All right. Now, I know ES Canada is doing a lot of stuff, too, since I let Kevin mention a project that I was familiar with. Uh, what are you guys working on at Canada, Josh? 
Uh, I think one thing that's uh, very important that we're working on at the moment would be the referendum tool, um, just a way to pull community consensus, uh, opinions, um, anything that you'd want to get people voting on, where we've been working pretty hard with uh, especially EOS Nation and uh, Team Grey Mass on that, and a couple of other guys as well that have been really instrumental in that conversation. And actually, funny enough, it tied into EOS New York, where the last conversation we had with the referendum group, we realized, hey, we need good snapshot tools to be set up so we can cross-verify, make sure that no one's trusting any single or you know only two entities uh, to get information from. So as soon as we started talking about that, uh, I went on Telegram, pulled in Buddy Deck from, from EOS New York, said, hey, do you need to tweak uh, the snapshot you're taking to be, you know, to, to really help us out in the referendum? You know, right away he gets on it. Uh, those guys are super responsive. So uh, I think there's uh, a lot of great cross uh, synergy between uh, the multiple projects and, and, and multiple and I don't teams. want I don't want Josh to downplay it. The the referendum uh, contract or the the method that we you know identify or solicit token holder opinion um, to act is probably the most important fundamental project for EOS uh, public blockchain the mainnet and. Josh and all the uh, block producers, block producers Kansas that he mentioned are doing a fantastic job. We, you know, there may there may be multiple of those tools in, in the uh, in the future, but they're they're building something that is not to be monetized and it's to be given away for free for the betterment of the network. So it's it's really a great thing that they're doing. So prior to the referendum tool, token holders are able to vote for their block producers, but then at this point. All changes to, to the system contractor to the EOSIO platform had to go through the block producers, correct? Well, actually, all all changes, period, have to go through the block producers. The the referendum contract is, or or any referendum is like the blockchain doesn't recognize at this point, uh, unless Josh and and EOS Canada and everyone else has implemented a feature I'm unaware of. Um, they it does not recognize token holder opinion, so it's really it's a signal for block producers to feel comfortable that what they're doing is representative of, of the network. And it, it's very comparable, I think, to, to like current government systems. You, you vote, you elect your senators, your governors, your congressmen, and then they represent the voters. But with the referendum, it'll allow the voters themselves to, to vote on different, different referendums. Like, is that? Yeah, that, that's, that's exactly it. So, the uh, voters would vote on the different referendums, and then we as the block producers, the top 21, we would take that signal and say, hey, this is the will of the community. We should execute this. And where the community has a check and balance on that is if, let's say they say yes on proposal X, and then the BPs do not put that proposal through, well, then at that point, it's up to the community to downvote that block producer because they're not listening to the community's will. Uh, anymore and they've shown themselves to not listen to it so there's a bit of a check and balance and if we have enough uh, voting participation to pass through a referendum that means we should be seeing enough voting participation to downvote or downvote's the wrong word but upvote other block producers to remove that blo- that non-compliant block producer yeah, imagine if that's how our, ac- our real life governments worked so you, you, we have some areas in the United States, I mean, gun control, abortion, some really touchy subjects where a lot of times if you pulled the public, they would uh, have an opinion one way. But then if you look at what your their local congressmen are voting for or supporting, it might be the other. That's the nature of hyper accountability. Every two minutes we could lose our jobs. So we're, we're paying attention to what the token holders want.
That's awesome. And this kind of leads us into our, our topic for the day, which is the worker proposal system, because um, I believe this referendum tool is going to play a major part in, in the worker proposal system. Yeah, well, to get the worker proposal system into place, it's going to take a referendum um, just because it's uh, a change to the system. As it stands, there is no uh, WPS. That's an acronym we use for the worker proposal system uh, already in place. So it's going to take uh, the community to say, hey, this is what we want or this is not what we want or hey, we would like this if we made such changes, but first you've got to start gathering those data points. So yeah, the referendum is the only way to bootstrap it. It's, uh, that's going to be the bootstrapping process for everything going forward on EOS. There, there's a lot of controversy around the WPS, and we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, do one of you guys want to take a stab at explaining in the simple version of what the worker proposal system is for those who don't know about it yet? Well, since Josh is working on it, you should definitely go ahead. Sure. So the WPS is a collection of tokens that is funded by the inflation of the EOS uh, system. So for those who don't know, there's 5% inflation that gets created um, uh, yearly on EOS, and it basically the inflation accrues every block. 1% of the inflation goes towards paying uh, block producers. The 4% remainder goes into uh, an account called ESIO.savings. And that account, um, basically, its its intended usage is for whatever the community deems to be worthwhile funding. Basically, anything that the community wants to see funded by the chain can be funded. So this means if someone can't get uh, VC funding or private funding or can't self-fund something, they can actually go to the chain and say, hey, I'd like to do Project X. I will need this many tokens, uh, 1,000 tokens, and here's the deliverable and when I will deliver it to you uh, would you like to fund this or not? And the community can vote on that um, and say, yes, we want to give this person funding because it's going to bring forth uh, you know, great rewards to, for EOS as a whole. So the idea would be, would the project being funded, let's say 1,000 tokens, bring more value to the chain as a whole versus having not given those 1,000 tokens to that person? Interesting. So, Kevin, you're, you're pretty familiar with WPS as well. I know Josh is more in the weeds working on it but what kevin what do you believe the core benefits are that the wps could provide to the esio ecosystem well actually i, I know that um so our co-founder rick schlesinger was um pretty involved in the the genesis discussions of the work proposal fund but we actually we took a step back uh and partly the the reason that we took a step back was because there there's good reason to be concerned about how governments will classify what this is. And we should do everything within our power to guide that conversation. Um, so just a, basically like an asset management fund. You know, there are certain regulations in the United States, at least, that uh, surround how those things can exist and act uh, and talk. So the risk became rather great. Um, so, so in the beginning we, we were involved less so, less so as time went on, but, um, but now, you know, it, it, it's kind of a, it's a controversial topic, but things, th some, some low hanging fruit that the, the, the worker proposal fund could be used for is right now, um, EOS is a new technology, the EOS IO software, and it's primarily maintained by block one. And everyone in, in the ecosystem is sort of at their 
the the mercy of their good graces. They have, yes, over and over said, we will continue to support the EOS IO software for a very long time. And they have a lot of incentive to do that. They own 10% of the EOS on the, on the public blockchain. But what if something were to happen? Um, that knowledge is centralized. And over time, it will distribute as people get familiar with it. But if they were to say, okay, we're done, we, we, have to, we, are, we are no longer supporting, uh, the Worker Proposal Fund would be a great way to say, well, then we will be hiring all of your engineers, <laughs> or as many as we can, to continue to support uh, this software or to start to educate uh, the community on how, the so- on how we can all write uh, core code. So, and that'll be a long process, but that's something that the, the worker proposal fund can pay for. It's, it's basically something that no one is responsible for, but everybody could benefit from. So it's in- interesting that you mentioned regulation. Um, I don't know how long it was ago, but I made a prediction that block one at some point was going to propose something that the community would be completely against just to prove that they are not a centralized authority controlling the main net. And I, I don't know if this is the case with, with the, uh, Dan Larimer recently saying he's against the WPS and he wants to wipe out the 4% inflation. He probably, he, he very well, he has good reason to state that opinion. Um, his opinion was because of oil manipulation could basically turn the WPS into an EOS printing press to just, um, if you're a whale with a lot of tokens, you're able to vote in the projects that, that you support and they might not be beneficial to the community. But I, I also believe that it could be a play on their side to show that they don't have the final say on what happens on the mainnet. And they could point to this and say, Dan said he was against the WPS and be, because Block One might believe it, it has regulation issues, like you mentioned. But the community, I, I hope, I, I'm supporting the WPS. I'll, I'll ask you guys in a second um, your side of it. Um, but I support it. Um, recently, Ash Oro uh, posted a, a Twitter poll where he asked everyone, do you support the EOS worker proposal system? And 38% of the Twitter follow- his Twitter followers said, no, scrap it completely. 45% said yes, uh, with lower than 4%. And then 17% voted yes, keep it as it is. Where do you guys stand on that? Um, I'm with, I'm going to combine, you know, sections two and three of Ash's uh, Twitter poll. Because basically the first one is get rid of it. The other one is yes, let's do it. And then some of those people had a caveat. I'm with um, pushing it through. Obviously, I've been working on it. So so it's something I definitely want to see happen. Uh, I I really do agree that 4% is too high. Um, it should be noted that the 4% that's going into that fund is just a holdover from previous uh, iterations of how blocked producers were going to be paid. Originally, it was supposed to be the 5% inflation um, get, is hard-coded into the, uh, into the code. And then block producers as a group would bid, hey, this is how much of the inflation we believe should be going towards block producers. And then the median amount would be what gets given to block producers. So let's just say that that ended up being 3%. Then it would be two percent. The remaining of the five would go towards the WPS um, fund. So the four percent is just a holdover from that, and I think that does need to be lowered. Uh, the WPS working group right now we have not proposed a lower amount because we don't believe that's our place to propose. We believe that that is something that should be put up to referendum uh, as soon as possible because four percent, yes, it is a large fund. It's it's a honeypot that's. Uh, looked at, I'm sure, by people who are looking to attack it. And so we need to figure out what is that right amount. And only data is going to be 
the, the way that we get that. So how do we spend funds? Is it um, worthwhile to spend those funds? What comes back in terms of return towards the ecosystem? And we may see, hey, this gets really great return for the ecosystem as a whole. And maybe 4% is the right amount. But the whole thing is we don't know that just yet. How about you, Kevin? What's, what's your uh, opinion on the pool and your answer to it? Yeah, well, for, first I want to talk about when you were you were mentioning uh, regulation and, and Block One sort of throwing a curveball that they knew the community would be against so that they could say, see, look, we're not in charge. Um, I, I, I think that there's a pattern that Dan is uh, exhibiting, and that is going firstly to the example that um, Josh mentioned. It used to be that median bid, uh, which actually it was meant to protect Block or at least one of the things was meant to protect block producers from the price volatility, so that you know if if it's twenty dollars a token, we could reduce our bid. If it's four dollars a token, like it is now, we could increase it. Um, but Dan Dan <clears throat> capped that at one percent, and I say Dan capped at one percent because it, he made it seem as if he was making this decision unilaterally. It may have been a, a conversation internally at Block One, but we don't know. Uh, he capped it at one percent to avoid. Um, the honeypot effect, and and now he's saying get rid of the four percent to do the same thing. So I think that this is a pattern. Um, so I'm not sure that it's uh, like a. Um, I don't think there are any ulterior, ulterior motives there. Uh, but for specifically for the four percent fund, um, I believe we, EOS New York believes that we should keep the worker proposal system and burn all of the funds. So let let me explain that. Uh, if I if I need a drink of water, I'm going to hand you a cup uh, to fill that up. You only need to keep the faucet running when there's a cup underneath it. And and, and this is the way I lo- I'm looking at the proposals. So if there is a good proposal, we have the system that can vote on the proposal and when it is approved by the token holder body, uh, uh, distribute and allocate the funds, but start the faucet then rather than creating this this 500 million plus a year fund. Um, and then furthermore, trying to, to mitigate the, the printing press uh, fears is find a period of time in which we can limit the number of proposals that can even be voted on. If that's one a month, if that's one a quarter, uh, you know, I do not know. But, but it, it, it going back to what Josh said as well. It's it, this is up to the community to decide. So even lowering the inflation to one percent or or whatever it is, it's got to be put to a vote. It's not a decision that the block producers can make. Awesome. So um, just for a reference point, um, the worker proposal fund that four percent inflation. It's just sitting in a savings account right now, untouched, um, and it sits around what six million tokens currently. Is that? The correct number, Josh? Yeah, it's somewhere there. Um, you can always check if anyone's interested to see where that fund is currently at. Go to any uh, block explorer that you like. Just type in for the account name EOSIO.saving. That's saving without an S at the end. A lot of people mix that up. And you'll be able to see um, you know, how many tokens are currently in there. Uh, I haven't checked in a few days, but I, uh, off memory, it's around 6 million tokens. It's about 6 point, 6.8 million. It's about 32 million U.S. dollars. Yeah, so the the math I have in front of me, I, I did math off six million just for reference. So six million tokens times four point seven dollars is about twenty eight million dollars. If the token price was ten dollars, it would be worth sixty million dollars, and if it was twenty dollars, it'd be one hundred twenty million dollars. And you figure the main net's been live for a couple months now. 
Um, if, if this continued for an entire year, I think when you guys said it, it'd be about a half a almost half a billion dollars of funds. And that does sound a bit high. And that'd be at a $20 value, which was around our all-time high. We might not get there again this year. Who knows? Um, but even if it was half that, $250 million is a lot of money. And it could be seen as, like you guys said, a honeypot. For reference, the Ethereum Foundation had, I, I saw an article, it was published in May, so it's probably less now. But they had assets around $200 million. And that's kind of used to fund um, like pet projects and research that might not be profitable. But are there any other blockchains that have anything resembling what the WPS is trying to become? I, I know there, there's um, something on, on Dash. Josh, are, are you familiar with that? I think you posted something on the ES Go forums a while back. Yeah. So when I first got involved with the uh, WPS group, uh, the first thing I looked to do is see is, are there any others that have this already? Uh, the main one was Dash. There was also a uh, uh, the, the names just gave me, I think it was Decred uh, or Definity. I, I just, at this moment, I'm just blanking on that. Uh, they also have a similar system that wasn't fully uh, integrated when I was looking at it, but Dash was the main one I focused on. Um, so I'll just give a quick points, a, a few quick points on that. Um, basically, the way Dash works is anyone who is a master node, uh, and a master node is someone who has, you know, declared themselves to be a master node and holds at least 1,000 Dash. So basically, uh, you can think of it as people who are whales and who want to be part of the system. Um, they are the ones who get to vote on any um, w, their version of the WPS. Uh, the way it works is someone creates a pre-proposal to the community. Uh, let's give an example. I'd like to do an advertising campaign in my city because I think we'll get a lot of good traction. Uh, here's what I'm asking for. I want to 500 Dash tokens to, to run this campaign. Then people would say, hey, I think you can do this better with 400 tokens, or have you thought about including this person who also lives in your city? And they get feedback from the community before going for an actual vote. Once they feel confident that they've gone through the proper, proper pre-proposal stage, they can then put that vote to the Masternode community. And then once every, it's roughly a month, they have a, a cycle within Dash um, that the funds can be allocated towards the the uh, proposals that pass their thresholds. Uh, they have very similar thresholds to what we have uh, on EOS. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Dan and Block one looked to the Dash system as well when setting up those uh, pr proposal thresholds. Um, and then from there, there's a, a certain amount monthly that gets allocated. And kind of like what Kevin was saying before, there's a, you know, a cup and the faucet does not have to be turned on until the cup is underneath the faucet. They do not create the tokens unless there's a need for those tokens to be created based on which proposals have passed or not passed the proposal system. Uh, another thing within there as well um, that was very interesting is they have a Dash Boost uh, program. So if someone's looking for 10 Dash uh, for, through the proposal, because they want to do a really small project, um, it's not worth it for them to give a 5 Dash proposal fee. Uh, but they didn't want to create this um, barrier to entry for for people to make a proposal. So they have a, a, a mini WPS, so to speak. And that's something we've looked at as well within the WPS group is how do we make sure that someone who needs you know a small amount of funding has somewhere to go as well because we don't want this to be for only large projects because that might cut out all the small projects that are very worthwhile and can bring in people. Um, another great thing they did was start what they call the Dash Watch, which is similar to what we want to do with an oversight committee. It's just a way of making everything accountable to the community. So if you get funds um, from the WPS, we would expect you to give 
you know, progress reports. Uh, we've met milestone A, B, and C, but we're still lagging on D, uh, so to speak. So this way, the community feels like their funds are either being well spent or not based on actual information that we gather. And this way, instead of having to go to each individual uh, team that runs their own proposal, we have a centralized spot because uh, there's a lot of information out there and it's really hard to find it. So we want to create as many central repositories for info that people can go towards to find what they need to make better decisions going forward. So Kevin, what what type of projects, um, it, it, once the WPS gets implemented on EOS, um, there, there's a core group of projects that are seen as almost like an emergency, like we need them. What, what are some of uh, those projects or, or categories of, of projects that you believe need funding like yesterday that could be helped out through the WPS? Well, I can tell you the ones that are at least asking for funding, whether or not I think that they need it is, uh, it's up to the, doesn't, it's irrelevant and the community can decide. But EECAF is one of them. If we're going to have um, an arbitration forum, whether it exists at the contract layer or the system layer, whichever camp you sit in, um, they're broke and they're volunteers. So uh, really, if, if if you want them in either side, contract or, or system layer, if we don't, uh, if they are not funded somehow soon, then they will just simply disappear. They, they have a fee schedule that has been released, but uh, I don't know if that has started to be paid or if it's been implemented or when. But the, the, con- the, the projects that I'm most concerned with are, if you look at Ethereum, you know, there are a number of things that, that EOS, we've, the EOS community thinks that EOS does better. But what Ethereum does so well right now is have a very robust set of developer tools that make it very easy to be an Ethereum developer. Uh, the Truffle suite with Ganache, Drizzle, and, and Truffle. It's, it's an integrated environment where there's testing, uh, asset pipeline. It's, it's very easy, like one-click um, test network that you can launch. We need, we need to build those things in EOS because EOS is only as valuable as what we build on top of it at the end of the day. Now, I think that block producers are taking it upon themselves to do this. So we'll get there, but probably much more slowly than if we said, here is half a million dollars. We're going to hire six engineers. This is their job for the next 365 days. They don't have to worry about communications, transparency, compliance, business structures. They are 1099 contractors. They are uh, being paid through this fund. They can figure out everything else. Go. To me, that's most important. How about you, Josh? What do you think is some of the most important things that need funding like yesterday? Um, So as Kevin mentioned, there was ECAF. I think security testing of code, uh, the amount of patches that get released from Blockman right now is wild. The other day we had two patches within three hours uh, just because there was... um, a latency issue that was being uh, debugged. Um, but I think we're somewhere around patch 15, 16, or 17 uh, in what we're three, not even three months into this project. So there's a, a dizzying pace being set of patches that are coming out, and we need to make sure that those get properly tested before being put onto the production main net. Um, so I think paying a team of people to test those things create different testing suites so we can cross-verify. Let's have at least three different uh, suites of tests. So this way, you know, if two get the same answer, we can be very confident, and three get the same answer, we know we're definitely good to go. Um, I think things like uh, managing the GitHub repo, so making sure that things are not passed in um, as tags that shouldn't be, 
that's super, super important as well. So making sure that the, the health of the chain um, is upkept, I think those are the really important things that need to be funded as soon as possible. And then going forward, I think we need to see things like uh, education hubs that I mentioned before, neutral media, uh, things like you know a podcast like this, I think needs to be funded by the chain so that no one can say, hey, you know, are you supporting X, Y, and Z block producer only because they're paying you or because they're buddies with you? I think neutral media is super important. Uh, watchdog groups are super important. Um, meetups, let's get this, uh, the EOS word being spread, uh, help people get adopted onto the chain if they want to as well. Things like that are important, but are not uh, as important as things like ECAF and security testing. You know, I actually, I, I, I want to jump in and comment on a couple things there. For the testing, um, it's it, it certainly on its face seems like it would be a, a great thing of value to the chain. But I think a, an important caveat there is that you know, if something were to be tested and then still fail in production, the those who were doing the testing or those this group established that's paid for by the chain would not be held accountable. It would be the block producers that would have been held accountable at the end of the day. So if there was, if we wanted to establish a group that would create a suite of tools that then block producers could adopt or not, um, that would be fine. But ultimately, we're we're you know EOS New York is going to still do the testing, and I know EOS Canada is going to do the same thing as well. There's no way Alex is going to like take someone else's work and say this is good enough. He's going to you know stay up 24 hours straight and dig through it. Um, but the and then also the the GitHub repo, um, you know this it, at first this seemed like something that was very important to manage as a as a group. But as time went on and when we when I started to learn more about how Steemit was was monitoring these things, all the 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 witnesses on Steemit are doing their own. Um, repo management they 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 manage their own and so eos new york is starting to shift towards our own and then look at the eos io official one um for any updates there but there may not be actually a need to to have a central repo so what a lot of people probably i guess they probably know but a lot of work being done on eos is being done by a large group of volunteers right now and it, i think if we want this to grow into what we all envision it to be this whole thing could be looked at almost like a DAO where, like you said, you could have a, a group of five engineers whose job is strictly to, to review code and make, make sure it's safe. Uh, so they would essentially be employed by EOSIO. They wouldn't be employed by any actual centralized party. And I, I think that is super innovative and super cool to even just envision and think about because it's never never been done before. Yeah, no, I think it's uh, super like I said, super interesting, super cool. And just to, to touch back on what Kevin just said about the managing the repo, uh, I, I agree with what you're saying, but it doesn't touch on the fact that uh, a developer coming into the space that doesn't have the time to now go to all the different repos and create their own, uh, it's just uh, for developer adoption, I think that'll help out a lot. They know where to get trusted code from that they can then use to deploy their own test nets. Uh, to help out and things like that. Whereas, yeah, teams like you know US New York and US Canada, we're definitely still do our own testing. But the idea that someone who's developing will be able to also upkeep with all that, uh, I think, will be a, a lot harder to maintain. I think I think that's a good point, um, and I, I I think that for for now they could probably go to the USIO uh, repo from that's managed by Block One. But in the future, yeah, that's 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 a good point, Josh. Something to consider. So th there's been a bit of criticism on both sides of this issue. Um, Kyle from EOS Vibes and the Awakenment, he posted a video I watched where he was against 
um, the 4% inflation in WPS because he believed that some of the top block producers should be paying for a lot of this stuff. So what do you guys have as a response for that? And I'll start with uh, Josh. <laughs> sure thing. Um, I think it's all well and good to ask BPs to support projects and to drive innovation. I think it's wrong to say that they should be the only ones. I think this goes back to what we were talking about earlier in terms of what is the main benefit of WPS is decentralization. It means that we don't have to rely on Block One and we don't have to rely on the BPs to, to fund these projects because at the end of the day, um, BPs are going to work on projects that are interesting to them and where they see that yeah, there's value being created. But that doesn't mean that their opinion is always going to be right. Maybe it's that uh, little project that no one really thought about or no one thought was needed that will really change the face of EOS. We don't know. And to say that we know that going into it is a, a little bit naive, in my opinion. So I think we need to make sure that we can fund and encourage people to bring forth their ideas to the, to the ecosystem. And also to rely on BPs means that we hope that all BPs have the skill set to do this. Um, to be a block producer is to run infrastructure, to keep, uh, to maintain uptime, to keep your security up to date. It doesn't mean that you're a great developer, a great C++ smart contract writer. Um, we hope that they have that skill, but it was never a requirement of being a block producer. Uh, EOS Canada, we've, we've grown a large team because that's what we think is part of it. But that doesn't mean the community as a whole um, requires that from a, a block producer. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of people, like block producers on, on the surface, people think they're getting like very well paid. And, and that was meant to disincentivize um, any bad behavior like bribing uh, for, um, for the block producers because they're, they're being compensated properly. But there's no guarantee the token price is is going to go back up to the all-time high, all-time highs anytime soon it might but it might not it could it could go down further um for example at today's uh token value i, I did the math it's only about a one and a half million dollars a year in re annual revenue for each block producer that doesn't leave a lot of extra room if you consider the cost of actually running the data centers uh the staff the, and then just having some savings set aside that there's not a lot left to be funding anything, especially anything major. How, how many so, EOS per day were you using to calculate that? Just wondering. Um, eight hundred and sixty times five dollars, and, and that's at the top. So that's that's what. Oh, oh, yeah. So let, let me clarify that. Uh, th thanks for kind of correcting me on that. That's for the top couple of block producers. Um, after the top twenty-one, it, it significantly drops. You, you, you wouldn't. There, there's not going to be much left over at all after um, like t today's value. You, you're not getting paid a whole lot. So that one and a half million dollars, that's for maybe the top five block producers, j just to clarify. And I can, I can tell you that we spent, we are running this like a startup. EOS New York is a startup. We are running this like a business. We are self-funded. We are self-owned. We put our, in our own money uh, to make this happen. And, what we have done over the past you know, week and a half is slashed budgets because you know, the token price is at, was at 8, it was at 12, now it's at 4. Um, and it, with all due respect to, to Kyle, he's not looking at our budgets. He does not know uh, everything that we are planning on doing that we believe that we can add value uh, back into the chain. 
And if he so wishes, he can tune in in Q1 when we present those budgets and what we what we spent, what we did, what we accomplished is you know part of our transparency plan. But it's not as much money as everybody is thinking. The number that was thrown around in the beginning, when the token price was uh, higher, was that the top block producers are making ten thousand dollars U.S. dollars a day. And that was that was the price he quoted, which is incorrect at this point. That 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 existed for maybe two weeks. It did, it did not exist after that. It certainly does not exist now. Uh, and that doesn't mean to say that, like, I, I'm not going to tell you, oh, EOS New York is, is um, you know, struggling. We're, we're fine, and we're, we're going to take what we earn, and we're going to reinvest it back in the chain. But um, I, I'm going to go ahead and, and make a guess that block producers cannot afford to do the kinds of things that we're talking about um, uh that for, for the worker proposal fund. And if block producers were meant to fund ECAF, if, if anyone out there that's thinking, well, I would become a block producer. Well, would you, if you were going to be essentially taxed and have, have your income, um, at, at force, uh, distributed amongst other groups. So that, that's something to consider as well. It may be, it may disincentivize future block producers from entering the space to begin with. How do you feel about, uh, Josh, the perception that block producers are just swimming in money? Because I don't, I don't think that's the case. So how, how do you, you see yeah, that? Yeah, no, I, I'd agree that, uh, look, there are a few of us at the top that have been lucky enough to be at the top um, that are getting a, a decent amount of funding. Um, but that's, we can't look to the top three, the top five, and then make a, a generalization. There are teams in slot 50 that, you know, they're making enough money to hopefully keep their infra running and pay themselves uh, a decent enough salary so they can continue pushing forward. But I've spoken to quite a few block producers where some of their staff, they have day jobs and this is their on the side thing because they can't afford to actually maintain the salaries that they need to actually promote uh, new development and come up with new ideas and push them forward. Um, so I, I think it's wrong to make a generalization that uh, everyone's being paid handsomely um, cause it's just not the, the truth. And it's also important to have savings. I mean, you don't, if you're making X amount of money, you don't want to be spending that same X amount of dollars each month. Um, and that also would force all of this EOS from the block rewards getting constantly liquidated. And I, I think you want to have that cushion because I, I don't think that's good for that 1% to just basically get converted to fiat because this is a, still a fiat run world, like to, to run your oper operations and to pay your staff, um, a lot of times you gotta you gotta convert to fiat. Uh, for for you to be and, a successful block producer in the top twenty one, you need to communicate. So you you need uh, and and people who are running the infrastructure or writing the code, they do not have time to communicate to the outside to the outside community. Uh, you need com you need people who can communicate in multiple languages. So you're talking, let's say at least two people that one person is speaking English and one person is speaking another prominent non English language. That's non technical folks. Plus, you're talking about doing, running your businesses, your finances, complying to regulation, hiring lawyers, developing your infrastructure, bare metal, having a data center. Uh, there's, and then all your value-add projects that are not directly related to running your infrastructure. That could mean a significant investment. We're building our own hardware wallet. You know, that's, this, it, it is expensive to, be a, to become and maintain a position as a block producer. Um, yeah, I, I just wanted to sort of dial uh, dial that home. 
yeah, I, I, that's why I brought it up because I wanted to give you guys the opportunity to communicate that because it, it kind of just knowing Rob personally, um, and they, they were in the top 21 for maybe the first couple weeks. Couple, I don't remember how long, but now they're, they're like at 38 and like it, it, they're not getting as much as the community thinks. And I just wanted to put that out there because it, kind of bothers me that people think otherwise and it's really only the top handful of block producers that are, are making decent money and it's not even a lot because like you said there's so many expenses that people aren't thinking about they think you just throw up a node and just sit on your hands all day but that, that's not the case there's so much more to it especially if we're thinking about the longevity of this whole thing yeah and on top of that in terms of bringing uh, the eos tokens into fiat to pay for your your suppliers or pay for your salary it also negates the idea that hey, if someone makes a great dApp, if we're relying on block producers to come up with new dApps or new great uh, proposals and, and put that all forth to the community, it, there's going to be tokens that are going to be needed to be staked for CPU and for net and to buy RAM. So we can't also have it both ways where they're going to have tokens left over to make sure that those, those dApps and contracts can run well and also pay for the development of all those contracts. Yeah, I, I think people have very high expectations. Um, Kevin, what do you think about the Block One VC funds and things like that? Like, where do you where do you think Block One stands on this whole thing of who should be paying for all of this these projects and this stuff? Well, I, and I just to wrap that up, I just want to say, you know, I hope this isn't coming off as like a "woe is us" block producers, but cer- certainly the prestige. I, I'm making on the conversation. I just want to put that out there too. You guys didn't ask to talk about this. I brought the topic up. No, it's it's totally fine. Uh, but the, the the prestige far outweighs the actual compensation. Uh, and and like I said in the beginning, this is like it's ikigai. This is a, a purpose. You know, it's not work. This is life. And and I love every second of it. I'm very happy that I'm able to do this full time. But we're we're consistently in the top three in the world so that to generalize the rest like josh said it's just um it's probably not true The many i've spoken to many self-funded block producers that are that have not yet paid themselves uh and standby producers they have been doing this consistently for almost a year for free um but anyway uh going going back to your question um yeah so block one has no contractual obligation to do anything and the vc fund the vc funds that they have set up if it's vc it's to make money uh and they're going to use that to make money and i think that they want to see eosio software proliferate uh and for the 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 mainnet to flourish um but I, I keep hearing that this is the the most well-funded uh, blockchain in the world, and there certainly is a lot of money uh, that Block One has, but they are under no obligation to to funnel that towards the the public mainnet. And I think that's that's important to remember. And the reason why is that it it establishes uh, a feeling of um, I don't, what's what's the word for basically determining one's own destiny. It's it's in our own hands. If if we are going to rely, uh, we we should be creating a framework that makes entrepreneurial developers um, want to come and develop on EOS. And if Block One adds in some really cool projects, 
great, but I'm not counting the ones that they're yeah, doing. Yeah, I, I agree. And you, you answered exactly how, how I was hoping you would, is that these VC funds, as a VC, a VC's main role is to make money. It's not necessarily to, to build a cool block explorer or to fund an arbitration organization. How about you, Josh? What, what, what role do you believe Block One should play into all of this as far as what types of projects they should be funding? Um, com, 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 it's different than what we expected WPS to fund. So like, what are your expectations for uh, support from Block One with that billion-dollar DAP fund that they set aside? Uh, I think Block One has reached out to people that they believe could best represent them in terms of being a VC and uh, deploying those funds. Uh, you guys had on recently uh, SVK Crypto, who's looking to go after smaller um, amounts of funding, you know, half a million dollars, a million dollars. Obviously, someone like uh, Mike Novogratz at Galaxy, they gave $30 million to uh, Everipedia. So there are some different uh, tactics that are being deployed. And I think Blockman was right in using a few different VCs that will take different approaches on how they're going to deploy that capital. Um, in terms of how it relates to the WPS, uh, as you guys were saying, the main difference is VCs need to make a return on that investment, uh, whereas the WPS should not be making a return on that investment. So dApps that are developed through the WPS will not need a monetization method. They Certain dApps or certain smart contracts or certain things that are great for the community have no monetization method possible. Um, something like security testing, there's no real monetization there. Uh, and it shouldn't be monetized. It should be work that's done for the sake of doing that work, uh, just because the chain needs it in terms of remaining healthy. Um, if we're going to start creating dApps and they all need to sell user data, they all need to have advertisement built in, it will degrade the user experience most likely. Whereas if we can create a very clean user experience, because the payment for the development of that uh, project was done by the chain, and the, the people who wanted to develop that got paid what they felt was commensurate with the work that they're going to put forth, then they're happy. They don't need that ongoing um, uh, advertising dollars or other monetization methods. So it opens up the door vastly to what can be proposed uh, to be created. And it also means that there aren't a few gatekeepers that are making those choices. The idea that uh, the VCs that end up um, being selected, because not the full billion has been deployed yet, uh, that they all have the community's interest at mind in every single facet would be naive, naive of us to say, because they are probably great at deploying capital. It doesn't mean that they're great at uh, doing chain health upgrades uh, or doing charitable work that the, the community decides is a good, uh, good thing to use funds for. There are things that the community will feel differently about than those VCs themselves. And to say that Block One has already made the proper decision on choosing who who has the, the interest of the community at heart uh, would be wrong for us to to think. So there there are, <clears throat> there's plenty that block producers can do, and it, like it, it, going back to what Kyle uh, from from uh, EOS Vibes thinks that block producers should be doing. I, I I would venture I would make a bet that most block producers, despite the claim of DAC. App incubation development funding and advisory services that are made almost as boilerplate now that few of them are that have VC experience 
and that's fine because that's not what a block producer is. Um, and but many are trying to do that. And uh, us ourselves, we we launch a DAP advisory service, and we've received emails of pitch decks, and we make phone calls, and we give feedback, and we work with them to hone their their DAP idea. But at the end of the day, we're not VC, and we don't have we have neither the, the funds nor the time. Um, uh, nor, nor are the incentives aligned for us to to put money into these projects and expect a return, right? Because going back to what Josh says, a lot of this is, and like the work proposal fund, what's well, also with block producers that we we are paid to make cool stuff and give it away for free, and that helps us stay elected. So there's kind of a, a disalignment of incentives if BPs start becoming VCs. But what we what we have done is, and you know, we're hoping to make an announcement. Uh, soon is, you know, there are VCs out there that are interested in this that may not be as big as Block One, and there may be DApps that want to talk to VCs but can't get Block One's attention. So, Block producers are uniquely situated in the community to field these entrepreneurial developers and simply filter and point in the right direction the ones that are good enough to establish VC partners. I think that we'll see more of that happening. And possibly it will be of greater impact than the the three or, or four or however many huge profile projects that Block One works on. You know, it, it's like it's like corporations for small business, and and their economic impact, right? Um, so it'll be interesting to see that evolve over time. So beyond the emergency item, the big ticket items from. Uh, that are expected to be created out of the MVP of the WPS. Um, what are some of the projects that you guys like would like to be funded after all of that has been, all, all of the emergency things have been taken care of. Maybe we're two years into the chain and we're ready to start taking on smaller projects, like stuff like hackathons and education. Like what are, what are some of the things that you would like to see funded? Because right now you guys are in a unique position. There's not many people being employed with a salary to work on EOS as a live and breathe it. And I'm super jealous of you guys that you get to do that. Um, but there, there's thousands and thousands of other people that want to get involved and the WPS might be their opportunity to do so to add value to the ecosystem. What are some of the things that you guys would like to see when, when we get to that point? I'll start with Josh. Um, I think, uh, some of the things that are super interesting going forward will be uh, education hubs. So right now, there's a lot of different teams who are proposing uh, a different place where you can go for EOS-related courses or EOS-related developer documents or what have you. But because it's so scattered, it's hard to know where to trust. Um, I think if we start um, centralizing, obviously, is a, a, a bad word within EOS, but start to centralize where people go for information so that this way we can make sure the information is correct, it has been vetted, it has been peer-reviewed. And this way, someone getting started in the space knows that they can trust that information. I think that will be a, a very valuable tool. Uh, neutral media. Um, I, if you look at EOS Go, prior to the launch, everyone was looking to them. Or, sorry, within the English-speaking community, was looking to them because they were putting out, uh, you know, their neutral, unbiased opinions on things. But because they weren't being funded, they didn't have a source of income. They had to reach out and start to work for block producers or work for, you know, DApps. Uh, anything that they can make sure to provide for themselves. So the idea that neutral media could fund itself uh, goes against the whole idea of neutral media. I think uh, watchdog groups uh, or compliance groups are great because right now what's going on, a lot of people don't realize this, is you'll have a, a new watchdog group that starts up you know, one every week. 
and they all send out emails to uh, all of the blog producers, and they expect to get a response and not to say that that's wrong of them to try and do, but it's also wrong to ask a blog producer to have to fill out uh, compliance um, metrics for everyone who will ask it. I think uh, it delays progress on other things. It, it dilutes everyone's time, and it doesn't mean that your question that you're asking is the right question to ask. We need to make sure we're asking the right question of everyone so that we get back the responses that are actually pertinent to the community, not just to that one or two people who are starting up a new compliance group. So to make sure we have more focused discussion as well, it'll help uh, a lot with that. Well, that co- you know, we almost we almost hired a um, like com- compliance officer. You know, there were some there were some people in the community that uh, we were you know this is before the token price went down um, that we were considering like okay this part of this person's chief responsibility would be to maintain a, an open and transparent relationship with proxies and be responsible for maintaining accurate information on voter portals. Uh, I mean that's. You know, this is the kind. Of, this is the kind of thing that a you know we believe a successful block producer will have to have. That's a full time person. Pay them. You know, uh, if you're paying them a competitive salary wherever they are, especially the United States, you're you're and plus taxes and everything. You're looking at like six figures for a person like that. So, um, kind of going back to the to the topic before, but uh, the um, yeah, and I was actually filling out compliance stuff this morning for for a new proxy. Uh, but you know, it's something that we have to, we have to do right now. And that's, that's, we work for the token holders and they expect certain things and and we need to deliver on them. And hopefully we just all evolve together over time and avoid redundancy, but I'm sure there will be some at the beginning as Josh mentioned. So ideally, um, instead of having maybe one compliance team, maybe two, just so that, that there's more than one and they might use the same compliance forms, you guys would only respond to them because those are the ones that the token holders chose. Basically, to, I to, mean, to, who, who we who we respond to is the prerogative of the block producer. I, you know, I, I mean, I, I see, I see how active Josh is, and I'm I'm sure he sees me bothering everybody in Telegram or Reddit as well. It's it's we try to respond to everybody as much as we possibly mm-hmm. can. It's going to get to a point where we can't anymore, uh, and that's just the because there's only so much time in the day, and we and you know I hope that that doesn't get. Um, interpreted as they they don't care anymore or they're not interested in token holder opinion. It's far far from it. It's that um, we're just trying to do as much as we can, and we and we are only human. Uh, but but I do want to answer. Yeah, the the question the, was um, af- after all of the emergency high tech like high profile items that need to be accomplished first in the MVP of the WPS. What type of projects or people would you like to see funded through the WPS? Let's say two years, three years from now. So I hope that there, if if the worker proposal system goes through and there is enough funding, um, I hope that there can be small projects. Like um, someone reached out to us yesterday and they said we're bu- we're we're building a uh, .NET uh, C sharp developer library for EOS now, and and they said, can you just can you just pay for us to, to do this? And my response was, well, that's that's great. This is the kind of thing we need. Unfortunately, we already paid ourselves to do that, uh, and we're done. Here it is. But maybe there's something we can learn together. Um, so I hope that there's plenty of opportunity for those very small projects that the community needs. But what I hope, like pie-in-the-sky dream, I want a state government to submit a proposal for the worker proposal system, and I want it to be to 
uh, import or uh, pay for the deployment of a an EOSIO um, blockchain system for some kind of record keeping, whether it be for their voting system or or land um, title deed records, something like that. I, that would that would be for me a watershed moment in in my life, in EOS, in blockchain, in the world. Uh, that would be amazing to see. I think that's awesome. Um, that is what is going to take... Like, the WPS allows something like that to happen. That's almost a pipe dream talking about it today. But like you said, that would be the watershed moment. Would be, it'd almost be like giving a grant to a, a small government to have the best technology of their property records in the world better than any other government. And that's an awesome, awesome goal to have. Um, so we're, we're coming up on about an hour here. I, I try to keep these short. Um, I think to finish this off, I'll let you both talk about whatever you want to talk about. Um, anything you're working on, anything you want to promote. Uh, and I'll start with Josh first. Sure. Um, so right now, uh, EOS Canada is really focused on making sure we're creating tools that are great for other block producers. Uh, we've made a few, thi- a few things like uh, automated claim reward systems, uh, an out-of-band signing system so that people can keep, block producers can keep their keys off of their production node, uh, things like that. Um, we're also looking at creating uh, some very in-depth tools to look at the blockchain itself. So think about a block explorer that also includes a lot of extra data to see, you know, how is it being used um, what are some of the aspects that we're not seeing by just looking at you know, vote tallies or things like that? But what are some of the things that tie that together and will help us dig and dive deeper into what is the blockchain, blockchain trying to tell us? At the end of the day, a blockchain is just a massive distributed database, and the database just holds a lot of information, and we need to be able to unlock that. Uh, so working on that, uh, EOC, uh, our wallet that we've created, uh, it's more than just a wallet. It's a, it's a tool that does a lot of things on the chain. Um, just actually yesterday in our Telegram group, someone said, hey, is it possible to automate uh, selling accounts? Let's say I don't want to trust party B and they want to buy my account for whatever reason. Can we automate that process? You know, Right away, uh, Alex from our team jumps on, codes it up, says and like 10, 15, 20 minutes later, hey, I, I wrote it up try it out let's test it let's see if it works because we need to see what does the community want and then we have to develop those tools for them so just continuing continuing to listen to the community and see what they need and try and help them out and uh, get that work done for them sounds really cool how about you kevin yeah uh and and first of all that's all awesome and it was actually uh alex was was talking about a tool um that he was looking to create this morning that, uh, I mean, it's a whole nother topic entirely, but I, I was a big fan of it. I hope he does make it, um, for us, we're, we're, we're looking at the developer side. We're, we're trying to focus on, uh, I am a developer. I have an idea. How do I get it on the EOS blockchain? And it's starting very, very small. So, uh, you know, it's the thing, things like the EOS snapshot. But what we're going to try to take a, what we're taking a bigger chunk out of, a bigger bite out of now is, is resource planning in EOS because it's not a, you can't just get a, a fixed price sheet of what you get for your EOS token on EOS. It is a dynamic, living, breathing thing. And just with the, the resource exchange that Dan Larimer and Block One has proposed, that it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be a not, maybe not a discipline but it's 
it's going to be something that you have to know and plan for for your business or your DAP to be on EOS. So we want to provide the tools that make that uh, accessible, digestible, um, and and easy for developers. And then on top of that, it's it's looking at these tools like building developer libraries in different languages and and just making people say, I, I want to be in EOS and, oh, look, I can be in EOS. The, the tools are there for me. Um, another big project that we are very excited about, which I can't talk too much about, but it is our, our hardware wallet, which is uh, kind of much more than meets the eye. There's going to be some big things behind this, this uh, very little piece of hardware that we think will uh, fundamentally affect um, how the ecosystem uh, functions with regard to uh, development cycles, et cetera. So we're very excited about that. But um, other than that, you know, it always can be reached um, in in Telegram at EOS New York or Twitter at EOS New York if, you, if there are ever any questions about any of the smaller projects or anything EOS in general. So happy to help. Yeah, you mentioned the Telegram groups. I, I think that's something um, that's really cool with the EOS ecosystem is that every block producer has their own telegram channels. So if you think about the, the main channel with EOS, there, there's a lot of just garbage in there, a lot of trolling going on. But if you go into the actual um, block producer channels, every, everyone's very reachable. I think, Kevin, you, you say hello to everyone that ever joins your channel. And I, I think that open communication is, is really awesome. I'm, I'm glad you guys uh, put a lot of effort into that. And I know, Josh, you're in there all the time, too, in the Canada channel, as well as every other EOS channel I'm in. Yeah, n not as much as Kevin is. Sometimes I'll see him at four in the morning saying hi to people, and then I'll see him the same day at like the next two in the morning. That guy's uh, just always on. I'm just trying to emulate as much as I can. <laughs> well, you, you never, you never know. Uh, you, the good, good rule of thumb is that everyone's a, an EOS millionaire. Every everyone who's a token holder is a millionaire, and then that's, that's just. Where, where's my million dollars budget. then, man? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rob's holding it for you. <laughs> Speaking of Rob, I, I will mention since Kevin said something about the hardware wallet, I'm assuming you guys are in touch with Cypherglass with their 100k bounty for that. Well, it's not it's not Ledger specifically, uh, so we're building our, we're building our own for, from scratch. Oh, so we, wow. we actually started uh, we started looking at Ledger integration as as like this is this is what people need, and then uh, and Cypherglass came in with the the bounty, and we saw. Um, the, uh, the the medium post where the the guy who had claimed that he had already done it we're like okay well let's let's we we took a step back and we said let's look at the bigger picture here and is is there something missing is it just ledger integration is there something more so we think we we found that and, and we sort of pivoted away from from ledger but you know we at, in the beginning it was like oh this is going to be great if we can if we can get that um, that bounty from cypherglass and then we were joking that okay we would turn then that to a bounty and then we would give that 50k to really you know cool. some other block producer and then keep it going uh you know keep the party going with that it would have been fun that's really cool um yeah so i said i was going to finish off with that last question but i'm actually going to finish off with a real speculative question and i asked you guys both in our little telegram group so dan larimer kind of teased that there's going to be some big announcement or a big announcement coming out at the London Hackathon uh, September 22nd and 23rd. So, so far at the EOS Hackathon in South Korea and the EOS Hackathon at, um, in Australia, they either released a tool or, or made some sort of announcement. No, nothing really earth shattering to this point yet. So I'll start with Kevin. What do you think, or not what you think necessarily, but what would you ideally want to come out 
of that EOS London hackathon? What, what, are you, what are you hoping for them to make the announcement about? Um, demonstration of secure enclave signing of a transaction on an iPhone or MacBook Pro, and then uh, Steam at 2.0. I want to see uh, I, I want I want to see a better version of Steemit on EOS. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm personally waiting for that first killer DAP, and I, I keep saying it. I think Block One's going to be the ones to release it. Uh, Josh, I'm going to let you answer that same question, and if you have the same opinion, maybe you could explain why those things Kevin mentioned are important to you as well. Uh, I think we're going to see hopefully the secure enclave being used because that's going to be a, a great way to increase adoption. That someone who's already used to putting their fingerprint or their face ID into their uh, th their device can now use that as their hardware wallet. I think that would be great to see. Um, I think another thing we might see prior even to Steemit, uh, the Steemit 2.0, I should say, is the, the new bit shares. Because I think uh, Dan was saying a while back that for Steemit to exist on EOS, he first needs a stable coin. To create the stable coin, he wants to create uh, the DEX, uh, like bit shares that runs on top of EOS. So I think maybe a little teaser about that would be uh, super interesting and, uh, and hopefully even some more info about the Rex that's been proposed, uh, just a deeper dive into how he sees it playing out and where, what will actually be proposed since he went back and he took out the SEO's token from the Rex that he proposed. And uh, so how's it going to look now? Mm -hmm. I, I think that the Rex might be something that's more likely because usually they try to release some sort of plugin or piece of software that they want the hackathon teams to implement. And I, I think the Rex would actually give them a lot of flexibility for a like, wide range of different types of projects that could implement that. All right, that wraps up this week's show. I just want to thank EOS Canada and EOS New York again for joining me this week. I hope everyone listening enjoyed the show as much as I enjoyed recording it and sharing it with you guys. I hope you guys all tune in next Friday for another episode. Um, once again, I'm Zach Gall, and this is Everything EOS.